You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. That the Rambam's um, sort of harangue in the fourth parak of Ovois uh, reveals quite a bit about uh, how the Rambam views sources and how the Rambam hates the idea of misusing sources. And if you remember, he was fighting a system, a system that had been in place for hundreds of years, a system that demanded that diaspora communities support uh, a big yeshiva and monies from that, that those communities uh, that were growing and becoming even more extensive and wealthy uh, would be going into the coffers of a very faraway place in Iraq, in Baghdad, where they still were announcing, although, again, their their influence was waning greatly, but they still were announcing to the world that they represented the true Masora, and that students could still come from all these far-flung places and have a yeshiva life and be supported while they were studying. And they would produce in those colleges in Iraq, they would produce the leaders that would be sent out to these other places. That was the spiel that they were giving. And of course, Europe was creating its own uh, reality. The communities in Europe had their own things. And in many ways, the traditions were differed from what we know with the, the Gaonic approach. But these last gasps of, of, a, of a Gaonate past um, was personified uh, by a very strong-willed, uh, you know, really, you know, a, a Talmud Chacham of, of stature, but not necessarily a person that um, was, as we would say, modest and honest. And that was Rav Shmuel ben Eili of Baghdad. Rashvul ben Eili and his underling, Rav Zachariah, um, who was sort of like the Rosh Hashiva, in other words, the 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 Gaon in the Yeshiva, uh, was sort of like even beyond the day to day workings of the stu- of the students, uh, but he lived quite well, uh, and he was the ultimate CEO. And then you had a younger person that was more the Rosh Hashiva. Uh, these two. Uh, were very much against the Rambam. The Rambam was a, although he had not yet, but when he wrote this in Pirkei Avos, uh, the Rambam had not yet become a threat. He would become a threat. And by the time the Rambam was 50 and the Mishnah Torah was starting to spread, that, that was it was perceived to be a, uh, a, a another nail in the coffin against the Gaonim. The reason being is because one of the things that the Rambam's Mishnah Torah allowed was a knowledge of what to do. It, it, it didn't necessarily need Gaonic input anymore. Part of the things the Gaonim did, and we find this if you take a look at Binyamin Menashe Levin's uh, magnificent collection of Oitzer Gaonim, you find Parshanut and Talmud. Well, the Rambam's Mishnah Torah obviated dependence on the Talmud and really got to the bottom line of many halochos. So the Rambam's work of Mishnah Torah was a very big threat 
to the Gaonim. Now, the fact was that he'd already, 20 years earlier, already in a way decried what he saw as the fat cat anti-Torah attitude of the Gaonim. But when the Rambam became the mature Goro Hador in Fostat, and his influence started uh, really wrapping around uh, hordes of Jewish communities in, Ye- in Yemen and in other places from uh, extending out from Mitzrayim, the Gaonim sha- were passionate writings of Pirkeyovos is his attack on what he sees as the fa- falsifying Torah. And again, I mentioned it last week in terms of the Kolil system today, but the Rambam, there was no Kolil system then. But there was a sense that the greatest place of Torah in the world was dependent on your money. And you are not a good Jew unless you and your community contribute to it. And that is what the Rambam was trying to trying to fight. Um, now, the Rambam mentions here, and this is what I wanted to share with you to start out with today. Um, he says, The mistake of these people who are really fighting truth. They're fighting terms that are so direct and obvious. They're either taking the money from them, they hoodwink them into giving it willingly, or they're forcing the money. There are stories in the Talmud that if you look at them, you will see that the, the, the protagonists of those stories were not well. Or they were already so old, they wouldn't have been able to chop wood or be a bookkeeper or whatever sort of uh, labor they could do. They need to take money. So yes, there is a there is a specific piece of Gemara in Bava Metziah about a great scholar who was supported, but he could do nothing else. The Rambam says, "What should he have done? Should should he die?" The Torah doesn't say that he has to die. And you can find the story using the Pasuk in Mishlei, it's part of what we sing uh, on Friday night, the Eishas uh, It's almost like the ships that are doing business. From far away, the bread comes to the amazing story of Rabbi Shimon Bar-Yachai's son who became a bounty hunter, who became a marshal, who became the Columbo of his days, being able to discover all the Ganovim. And many of them were Jews who ended up dying. And uh, he was controversial in what he did. Um, Rav Ozebushimim, though, was worried that perhaps, you know, he wasn't completely Shem Shamayim. And every night, he was Makabal Yesure. Every single night, he accepted upon himself Please bring punishments on me. But Urtavi Michaelushisin Namte. At night he would get underneath him sixty types of spongy material underneath his body. 
They would have like 60 basins of blood that would be on his body. In other words, he he somehow supernaturally um, begged for pain. And somehow his body was riddled with sores and blood that would be dripping out of him. Um in order for him to get better, he had lost so much blood every night by taking on this suffering. His wife, who seems to have come from a wealthy enough family, would work with her people in the kitchen and have 60 different types of a delicacy called lapada and eat it. But the lovi and she wouldn't let him go to the yeshiva because <laughs> the rabbis would bother him he was he wasn't well he was still recovering and he knew that his brilliance people would ask questions from him at night he would say my friends all you pain you supernatural but physical pain was supernatural maybe in source but it manifested itself physically and his body would now be racked with those sores he would say come my friends come on me in the morning he would say Zilu. he would say okay go away Whatever it was, the blood bleeding is over. I don't need that actual acute pain. I've got to go to the yeshiva. And they bitul taira, because I've got to go learn. One day, her, his wife heard. Umrali, she said to him, you're doing it. I thought that you had some sort of disease that you couldn't cure. Now I see you're evoking them. You want this pain. You want this to come on you. All the money that my dad has, it's paying for all that medicine. It's paying for all those basins. It's paying for all that food in the morning. Somehow they arrived. They came up. And they came to him. He must have lived near a port. Who came to him? Sixty boats of, of, of sailors, sorry, sixty sailors in their boats. And they brought to Shimon, they brought him sixty servants. And every servant had, or each one had one, sixty sort of like sixty wallets or sixty uh sixty, you know, like pouches of money. And they made it. So they had plenty of money to buy this delicacy that could cure him. And he had a bunch of servants in the house. And he was able to eat it. The wife who had run away said, You know, I left your father because I was so mad at him. Uh, I'm embarrassed to go. Maybe you should go. My COVID, you know, see how he's doing. Asya, she, the, the daughter came. Omar lost her. Moser Shimon said, oh, hi, daughter. Oh, uh, the wife wants to know who I am? Zil, Amr, Limeich. Go tell your mother. Shalonu, Godel, Meshalem. You know what? <laughs> what I've got is bigger than what you have. I'm even richer now than I was before. Kari, Anapshei. He's, that's what he said. He said, you see, it comes. 
I, you left me, there was, didn't seem to be anybody to work for me. And here, look how it came. He ate, he drank, he got better. And what happened? He came to the base medrash. And I see, right? They brought him 60 different types of blood. Women who were not sure whether they were in need or not. Should they, would it, would it, would it, would it, cancel the counting that they were doing would they have to start their counting again were this was this need of blood or not and of course taharinu he was an expert in that field he was able to make it tohar oh so have you come around in the rabbanon the rabbanon said oh how can you say they're all tohar Amre, he said, Salkadaitach, what you think? Well, I'm telling you, every single one I said was tar, was tar. Vespuchad Safik. Amr Lahu, he said, if I'm right, in the, uh, he, he says, Im Kamosiu, if I'm right that all these women were Tahar and that none of them were really Nidos, they should all have ba- when they have babies, every single one will be a male. If I'm wrong, among all these women that I said, who can now, they don't have to, it doesn't ruin their counting, and they can be taught to their husbands. If one of these babies that are born through the sexual unions that they'll have will be a, a female, I'll tell you what, then I'm a liar. Are you cool, Sakharim? <laughs> they were all males. And they called him what? They called all those boys were called a lozer, based on a lozer of Shimon. Tanya, I'm a Rebbe. Kama, Piri, Verivia, Bittel, Risha, Zuma, Yisrael. That wife, look what she did. By keeping her husband away from the base medrash in the, every day, look how many more women he could have saved. How many more children there would have been. But <laughs> anyway, so that is the Gemara that the Rambam is referring to. So now, it's it's a fascinating Gemara, and it's amazing that the 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 other opinions, the opinions that of the of the Chachmei Bovel, said, "Oh, you see, Rabozer Reb Shimon, you see what it is? He was able to have things sent to him, and because of that, he could go to the base medrash and he could do wonderful things." So the Rambam says he was a sick old man. <laughs> he was sick, <laughs> right? Look what he did. He bought the Yisurid on himself. So therefore, the Rambam, obviously that story has a fascinating sort of like, like, like a science fiction element to it. I don't know if it's called science fiction, but a fantastical element to it. But the Rambam now says that if you have somebody who, who is ill, of course, what are you supposed to do? So based on this Rambam, there are Hashulchan in Simen Reish Peivov, Reish Memvov, says that you see from here uh, and I, th- that if you have a Talmud Chacham who can't work, then you should. I'm sorry. There's one other Gemara that the Rambam um, says is quoted by the Gaonic approach. And that's a Gemara in Brachas that says, It's a Gemara in Brachas. So the Gemara says that we know these two Nevi'im that were so important in our history, they had a different approach. Alicia, we know, stayed by the woman, right? Alicia stayed by this woman whose whose baby died. And remember, uh, Gehazi 
uh, said before Gehazi sort of became bad. Gehazi said, of course, you should give her a bracha, that she should have a baby. And of course, that baby died and Elisha brought him back to life. So we see that Elisha, when he traveled, he had places where he stayed. So Elisha, who was in a way a, a Navi slash Talmud Chacham, everything all put together, Elisha would take benefit from people. If you don't want to take benefit, then you could be like Shmuel Haramosi. So in other words, basically this Gemara was saying, we don't deny that there's some sort of ultra frumkite of not wanting to take anything. Yes, the, the Pirkei Ovis does say you don't want to be Nana from Torah. But this Gemara in Brocha says you have a right. There's the Shmuel way and there's the Elisha way. And we have decided that it's for the better of the Jewish community for us, for the yeshivas to function the Elisha way. On this, the Rambam says, it's again a sheker. In fact, In other words, not only is it not, is, is it's not similar, it's clearly, it's intentional misconstruing the Gemara and using it uh, incorrectly. It's a siluf. Why? Because hoyu mavur. Anybody who looks at the Gemara honestly knows the Ainbomokamlatos. In other words, maybe the Gemara before Belezabarab Shimon, maybe you could say, Oh, you see, we, we turn him into a hero and we say the people who arrived and took care of him when his wife left him and there was no money left were were doing a great thing. So I could therefore say that Gemara is talking about somebody like our blessed Rabbi Shimon, who's in a state of illness. Like, what do you expect him to do? For whatever reasons, he understood that he needed to be in a state of pain every single night, and he was incapable of working. However, you understand that that was the Matthias. Okay, there you could say you can make a mistake. But this Gemara is a conscious lie on the part of the defenders of the system. He says, there was no way you could make a mistake on this Gemara. Why not? Because what does it mean? He says, what did Elisha mean? Do you think Elisha took money from this woman that he stayed? He didn't take money. He didn't say, oh, I'm coming into town. Everybody's got to pay money since I'm here. Chalila. In other words, he was willing to accept what's called a kibud. In other words, come stay by my house, which it made the, the, the woman feel good. The Isha, the Isha Shemanam, she felt good. She felt good that she had somebody staying by her. Okay, so what's happening? He's a one-man person. He's not traveling, maybe with Gehazi. Okay, two of them traveling. And he's traveling. So when he was traveling, he would he'd be willing to stay overnight, and he didn't necessarily pay for his lodgings. Okay, that much, but it's not like he's asked for money. Look, uh, there's plenty of... Okay, so he, he's on the road. He's doing something for the community anyway. He's obviously answering questions and helping people. So it was an honor for this family for him to stay there. But it's not like he was asking for money. Okay, Shmuel, Shmuel was an extremist. He refused to go anywhere. He Wherever he went, 
he said, look, I'm, I have my own tent. I have my own little house, my own little, my own little pot and pan. I'm cooking on my own little, uh, my own little steamer. I don't want anything. Okay. And that's what Chazal mean. You want to be, you want to be like Shmuel. You want to be like, you can do it. You don't have to worry that people are going to say, what is he, such a high, haughty guy? He doesn't want to be like us? No, they understand that since he's removed from them, it's good political sense not to necessarily be by anyone. So he travels with his little RV and he camps out on the other side of town in the trailer and people cut, and then he walks around. Okay, he could do that. Okay, but if he doesn't want to do that, because he is traveling. And and it's and he doesn't have an RV, doesn't have that stuff, and you got to stay somewhere because you are on the road. So you could do that. Yeshu asas came. Now, what's the chiddush? Why does, in other words, if you learn like they do, so we're saying, what does lehenos mean? Lehenos means you could get your whole living from them. In other words, that's what they were bringing, Araya, that Alicia was supported by communal funds. In other words, it wasn't just that Alicia stayed overnight, but that Alicia staying overnight was indicative that wherever he went, he, none of his needs needed to be taken, he needed to spend from his own funds. All his needs were taken care of. So on that, he's saying that's not what the Gemara means. The Gemara means for that one night, for that day of travel, you could be like Alicia. Well, why not? Because we know, we know that a Talmud Chacham, a Novi, has been has been told they shouldn't that it's wrong that a Talmud Chacham shouldn't be a person that takes advantage of every smorgasbord and is always at every kiddush eating. And in fact, we know the Gemara says, Kol shel mitzvah, also mimeno. So a Talmud Chacham has to be careful where he eats. He's not supposed to go into a, a, a Suda that's not a Suda's mitzvah. He has a higher standard. So therefore, Chazal needed to say that it's allowed to do it while he's traveling to find a place to stay. And that doesn't violate the principle of a Talmud Chacham being careful where he eats. He says, look, I don't even need to go so any further. He says, I'm going to mention a story. I'm going to mention a story that is in the Gemara in Nidorim. And if anybody doesn't agree with this story, then let him just go off on his own. But this story is the 100% proves the case, Your Honor. And he, he, the Rambam in, in Arabic, translated wonderfully here by Rabbi Yitzchak Shilat, gives us the whole Gemara and gives us a, a beautiful recounting of what the, the Gemara's Aramaic story in Nadarim. There was a person who had a vineyard. And there were thieves constantly coming into this vineyard. And of course, the the person every single day he would check out what's going on, how are the grapes growing, and he would find that incredibly there's less grapes than there were before. Someone is coming and 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 stealing the grapes. There's somebody who has made my vineyard his target and is constantly taking from me. 
So even though the grapes were growing, but there was a, a sufficient recognizable amount that was disappearing by thieves. And in his mind, this vineyard owner, let's call him Frank, under had imagined this Ganif. He had already, in a way, been Messiah in his mind who this thief was. And even though Frank did what every vineyard owner did, produced wine, he gathered up the grapes in order to turn it into wine. And of course, not all of it could be wine. Some of it was turned into raisins. And therefore, some of the grapes he actually just put out to dry. And after they had dried sufficiently, he and his workers gathered up the raisins. It's always the way it is when they have this huge amount of fruit that has dried in the summers and they're gathering them up. Whether it's figs, whether it's raisins, whether it's figs or grapes, there's always going to be some pieces that aren't taken up by the sack or by the big the big shovel that's used. And those are always left there because it's the, that's the and anybody who's walking around near that field, it's understood is allowed to eat those pieces. Because everybody knows that what's left there, it's not worth the effort to go back. And the owners always leave them there because they're so little and it's so small and it's so it's too much of an effort. And this remains a little bit of this becomes a a little bit of a snack to passers-by during the early fall period when these things are prevalent. Now it happened to be Ubo happened to be Reptarfon came to that specific Kerem. And he sat down and he sees all these, these raisins that are nice and, 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 and juicy. And he's sitting there gathering not just one, he's gathering a bunch of them in a little sack and he's having a, he's having a snack. And all of a sudden Frank shows up. And remember, Frank has, has been thinking about this, this thief that he hasn't been able to catch. And he sees this fellow sitting there in a satisfactory way, not only taking one or two, like some of the other people that are walking, but but conscientiously gathering a bunch of them. And all of a sudden, Frank jumps to the conclusion that he's found his thief. It's from Tarphone. Aha. But he didn't know who he was. He just sees a man, a Jewish man, who's, that must be the guy. He's here once again to take his spoils. And what did he do? He says, He had heard the name Tarfon, but he didn't know who he was. But what did he do when he saw this man, this Lothario, this villain? He took him and he grabbed him via his gabari love, and he was able to overwhelm him with his with a, with increased strength that Frank had, and he was able to throw him forcefully into this gunny sack. And then he picked him up, put him on his back, and ran with him, Lashlicho Benahar, to throw him into the river. 
And Rabtarpon saw that he was, uh-oh, he figured what's going on. He's going to be thrown from a great height into a river. And who knows if he's going to be able, like Houdini, to get out of that sack and be able to save himself. He screamed. He said, Oh, woe is Tarfon that this fellow that I don't even know is about to kill me. When the Balakerem heard the name Tarfon, he said, it's from Tarfon, the famous Tana. He dropped the sack and ran away. Because, first of all, you don't kill somebody because he stole from you. But especially one of the great Rabbanim in Talmud HaKalamim, he was about to kill. And the Gemara says in the Dharm about Rav Tarfon, and Reptarphone for the rest of his life was crying over what had happened. Because it turned out that he saved himself mentioning his name as the great Tana. Reptarphone was very wealthy. He could have said, look, look, Put me down. I'll pay you. Okay, you think I'm the guy that's been stealing from you? I will make it worth your while. I'll pay you many, many dinarim. And he could have paid him. And even though the guy might have thought that he was the Ganif, he would have taken the money, and that would have been it. You didn't have to tell him who he was. And by doing that, the he could have used his own money. Instead, he saved himself through Taira. He saved himself through his reputation. The Gemara says, And that's what that Mishnah Pirkei says, that Hilo Hazokin told us. You can't be Mishtamish with the crown of Torah. I just did it. And Tarfon was worried that he was doing tshuva, that he maybe is going to lose his oilam haba for what he did. So, that's one Gemara. And then he brings another Gemara in Baba Basra. The Gemara says Baba Basra, the Rebbe, reviewed Anasi, another wealthy person, incredibly wealthy. What did he do? He opened up the the Oitzrois in a time of of that people were hungry, and he said, "Okay, we're going to it's this we were saving it for a rainy day. Here's the rainy day. It's it's my stuff. It's my grain. We're going to give it to the poor." Take what you need. Don't be a chazer. Don't take more than you need. But we're going to have enough. We're going to get through this famine. Uvitnai, however, Shia Tamat Chachomim. He only wanted to give to the Tamid Chachomim. Ubod Rabbi Yenusim ben Amram, for Ahmad Lefanov, Ruena Makiroi. And Rabbi Yenusim ben Amram, who was a student of Rebbe, but he never spoke up. He studied Rebbe's ideas, and the people knew who he was. But Rebbe, he, he was a shy person. He had never spoken to Rebbe face to face that Rebbe recognized who he was. Omerle, so Rav Yonasim and Amram came to Rabbi Yudah Nasi and he said, Parnasani. He said, Okay, I'm here if you can give me stuff that I can get by the next week. Remember, it's supposed to be about Tamir Chachamim. He asked him, Can you learn? Omerle, 
look, Parnaseni kakela vukaoyrev. Don't give me money like a, because I'm a dog. He says, just take care of me like a dog, like a raven. What did he mean by that? The Rambam says, it means I feel ainly chokma. In other words, I'm not saying I have or I don't, but feed me. Not be. Don't feed me based on wisdom. Feed me like you would be mafarnis, like God is mafarnis. All the wild animals, all the dogs and birds. That's the way I'm asking you to be godlike and just let me live. Hmm. And Amoritz is not less than them. Then Rebbe said, "Okay, you convinced me." And Rebbe gave it to him. But then he was, afterwards, he said, you know what? I let the guy convince me. I originally wanted only to give stuff to Tamir HaChachamim. And now I gave to an Amoritz. An Amoritz should get my stuff. The people who Rebbe at all talked to, who knew Yonason said, you know what? Uh, that might have been Yonason. He's one of the students in the yeshiva. But he didn't want to take based on Torah. If he could get it without Torah, he would take it without Torah. Even though he would sort of like give the impression that he wasn't the Talmud Chacham. Because he did not want, he didn't appreciate Rebbe's, Rebbe's Tanai. And therefore, Yonason ben Amram, what did he do? He refused to say he was a Talmud Chacham, even though that was the deal. They discovered it was Yonason ben Amram. Now, the truth is, the Rambam says, the Rambam uses this story to help cement his case, this Gemara in Baba Basra. Will quiet anybody who disagrees with me. Now, hang on one second. <laughs> the story is a little bit interesting because Yehuda Hanasi, Rebbe, why is he only feeding the Talmud HaChachomim, right? It's a Shnas Rav. Now, if it's Pikuach Nefesh, Mamish, do you think he wouldn't give to people who were dying? It must be that you could scrape by if possible, right? In other words, if you look in that Gemara Baba Basra, you have to wonder, why wasn't he feeding everybody? Why wasn't Rebbe opening up the Eitzvah? Oh, well, there's limited. Okay, there's a limited amount. If everybody comes, no one's going to get enough. You could say that. And therefore, he makes Talmud HaChachamim, he gives them a higher level. But it indicates that Talmud HaChachamim will be fed. In other words, it's tough for everybody. And even like the Ramam Lushitasai says that all these Tamir Chachamim should be working, right? That's what he said as we learned last week. The Ramam says there's no Gemara that says the Tamir Chachamim don't work and just ask everybody for money. And, and, and they should support, and they should be supported. Okay. So if the Ramam's right, then in the Yeshiva of Rebbe, all of these members all had some sort of side jobs and refused just to take Tzedakah money from people who might be wanting to give it. And now, though, it's, it's, the situation has changed because now no one is get there's, there's enough of a threat that people aren't getting by. So what does Rebbe decide to do? Rebbe decides to open up the Eitzrois, but only for the Tamir HaChachamim. So I guess what you have to say is it's, it's sort of a proof against the Rambam. I mean, the Rambam will have to learn that, that 
it, it wasn't pikuach nefesh mamish. The ones who are amaratzim could work. The tamid hachomim were having a hard time working, and therefore Rebbe wanted to make it easier for them. Um, but they weren't asking for it. But isn't it a proof of the Rambam? It wasn't the community that paid him. It was a rich person who has access right. to Right, so was it right? But again, it's interesting how the rich person put that as the as 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 the uh, what it says, uh, you know, at the fruit stand. It says only tamei chacham should come, right? So you see that there's a a a an ideal that when things are tough, tamei chacham get taken care of, right? You do see that, and you see Rabbi Yudan Nasi, who was the leader of Klal Yisrael. He wasn't just a a, a rich man. He represented the Jewish people. He was like a melech in a way, right? So the Rambam is proving it from Yonis and Ben Amram, right? Oh, look how great Yonis and Ben Amram is. Yonis and Ben Amram refused to say he's a Talmud Chacham because that would violate this principle. But I think you have to also see that the, what was going on here was, was Rebbe wanting to give Tamid HaChachamim more than anybody else and making sure they can continue to learn by taking care of their needs. So, again, I, Miriam and, 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 and Dr. Kogan, I, I think you hear what I'm saying. It's not 100% proof of what the Gaonim were doing, but, it's, but the Rambam's in a dangerous territory, I think, using this second piece of Gemara as his proof. Okay. But just, Doesn't that reinforce it? Because that reinforces his point that it's not the community, it's not it's not that Tamidim uh, HaChamim shouldn't be supported, is that they should not rely on the community. That reinforces his point. Okay. The Brysa, uh, the Mishnah and Horios, that if you have a qu- of who you can save, and there's a Talmud Chacham and Amoritz, you save the Talmud Chacham from drowning. So I guess that's yeah. what you could say is similar, right? That you save yeah, the Talmud Chacham. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. and also word- that shows... And also shows that they were vulnerable, meaning that they didn't have storage of money, that they were among the poor. Shows that they weren't before accumulating a lot of. Um, uh, in other words, you're saying if, if they would be supported, they wouldn't have been poor in the first place. If yeah, if, it, if there would if there would be a system to support them, how do they? Again, obviously, we weren't there, and we know. The markets can can be easily the apple cart can be upset very easily, but I think it's I think it's definitely uh, it, it, there's a way to take that story and go in a different direction with it and say you see that it's a positive that Tamidah Chachamim needs support, and the same way in a in a time like I said it couldn't you know it, 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 the same way and, and you might be right maybe those other Amaratsim would die. It's possible during that period there were deaths from famine, and and, and Rebbe, you know, was only trying to save the Talmud Chachamim, like the Bryce. Of- Say that there's there's an obligation to take care of the poor upon all of us, right? That, I mean, there the mitzvah you have to provide for the poor. That's 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 a it's a mitzvah it's stated that's in right. many ways in different yes, of course. Different places. So an an average person would look at. Uh, a working person who works hard and l- should be deserving of charity because they work hard, and a Talmud Chokum who the average person does not see uh, uh, erroneously, I think, as working hard, and they're going to be more likely to give the money to the average person who's working and for some reason is not being successful than 
like it is in Israel today, then the Talmud Chachamim, who are who are seen as not doing their their fair share, as it were, erroneously. So that's why Rebbe had to step in to okay. help them because uh, okay. So it could be because they all right. So that's you're putting a lot of uh, layers here into it, and uh, you might be correct. Okay, first is something called metil milei lekis talmidei chachamim. Do something that will fatten the wallets of the talmidei chachamim. What is that? And that is that the talmidei chacham has money, but he doesn't have business sense. He doesn't know where stuff gets sold easily. He doesn't know where you can make big profits. So basically, um, a person decides to act as the business partner using the Talmud Chacham's capital and giving the Talmud Chacham a larger share than you usually would. There are many dumbs, there are many dunces that don't know how to handle their money, and there would usually be a 50-50 split. In other words, the, the capital would always be returned, and on the profits, there would be a 50-50 split. That's called an ASIC. For Talmud Chacham, there was an idea to basically get back, in other words, to work for them, to them to give capital, and you help them out by giving them almost 100% of the profits. And you, and, and, and the Gemara gives a person schar for that. God gives you schar for helping the Talmud Chacham. So um, that's one thing. Okay, but that's not giving them stuff. That's basically giving them your time, your expertise. That's in a way helping them, but it's not actually putting food on their plate that they don't have. And in other words, they have the money. They just don't know how the money can work for them. You work for them and become their investor for free without taking any percentage. Another thing we know is that when a Talmud Chacham does send an investor to purchase goods that will be resold in a place for a profit, that there is a custom and a halacha that their stuff gets sold first. So let's say everybody is waiting for the ping pong paddles to come, because it's a ping pong craze, and the Talmud Chacham has bought from uh, Shanghai these ping pong paddles, and the kids are just waiting, so the Talmud Chacham's ping pong paddles will be the first to be in the market. Now, the Rambam uses an interesting term here. God wants that to happen. The same way the Torah says, the Kohen gets matonos, the Levi gets maestros. We have a tradition that that is the way it is, and it's based on Remez and Psukim. So um, the Rambam now justifies it because he says, the idea of letting him corner the market in the ping pong paddles for this crazed community that wants ping pong or to work for somebody and basically give him all the profit and not take any for yourself. Sometimes 
for whatever reason, a a business person will do it for another business person. He doesn't do it all the time, but sometimes either to honor him, let's say he got him into the business, or let's say he wants to earn favor with him, or let's say maybe because he's the inventor of selling this type of product, they will sometimes allow them to get 100% of the profits. Sometimes they'll give them first crack and let them be in the shuk first. Even if they are not chachamim. Why can't they decide that they appreciate what this person is? Yes, I appreciate. In the same way, I sometimes, I sometimes step aside and let uh, the guy who invented the Big Mac go and 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 clear up and and selling the the sandwiches to Wimpy. I'm going to let a Talmachacham have that today. The Torah says that the Talmud do not have to pay any amounts of taxes that the government imposes. In other words, they don't have to allow soldiers into their homes. They don't have to pay the community tax. They don't have to pay the head tax, which is called Kesev Gugulata. So who pays them? Yifra'um ba'avuram hakoho. The community pays for them. Or binyanachomos, or even when it's communal things that they get a benefit from, like the walls being strong, we don't take the tax from them. Now, the Rambam says that's not because we want to free them from having to work. That's called kavanatera and recognizing what they are. And he says, as he's, as he's the Rambam's going to say, it's the same thing as recognizing the Kohanim and the Leviim, recognizing what they do to make the, the, the greater community better. So we do this for them. And he's like, Even if the Talmud Kocham happens to have inherited tremendous amount of money, and he's richer than everybody else in the community, no, you're a Talmud Kocham, you don't pay for that. And he says, and, and he says, my father's Rebbe, the great Rimi Gash, there was someone there in Spain in Andalusia, and based on the taxes of the, the Spanish government, of the Islamic government there, he should have paid a thousand dinarim. The Rimigash says he's not paying. So even though because of his holdings, the state was taking from the Jewish community and looking at as in the aggregate and looking at as a whole and demanding that all the Jewish fields, this is what needs to be paid. The Rimigash says he's a Talmud Chacham. We are gonna the other people of the community will pay for him. We also Talmud Chacham. The poorest Jew would pay it, but not the Tamakocham. He says, The same way Kohanim don't have to pay Machsas HaShekel. You would think everybody has to pay. No, Kohanim, the Rambam Paskins here, do not have to pay, do not have to contribute Machsas HaShekel. And therefore, this is part of that same idea. Now, Rav Yitzchak Shilat, 
who brought out this edition of the parish of Mishnayis, tries to clarify what the Rambam means. He says that um, when the Rambam writes that this is a din in the Torah, he doesn't mean that it's really a din in the Torah. It's not in the Torah directly. But the rabbis understood that that is the attitude we need to have. That we're supposed to sort of extract from the halachas of Trumas and Maisrois and the idea of Shevet Levi what the significance of a Talmud is. But it's not about supporting it. And again, we do it uh, out of a sense of recognizing how great Torah is. But it doesn't really mean a mitzvah from the Torah, even though you know he sort of says that. It doesn't mean that it's midaraisa. Uh, Shilat says that in many places, the Rambam sort of views rabbinic extraction of ideal as a Torah value. The same way we make a brocha, but it's not actually a mitzvah from the Torah. But it, but the Rambam feels it's not really connected to um, to supporting them. It's It's a sign that we as a community recognize how important Torah is for us and how it's embodied in that person. But it's not about says it's he's sort of a a, a, a version of a Kohen and a Levi. Um, and we know the Torah creates a system for the Levium and the Kohanim to be supported. And therefore, even though this is not about supporting them, it's about pottering them. Right again, the Rambam is sort of like vague in a way. Like he says again, if you look at the the, the language of the Rambam one more time, he says, So it sounds like we are supporting them, but then he says it's not about support; it's about recognizing how significant they are. I think that's probably the same thing when it comes to a Kohen and a Levi. Eventually, Kohanim and Levian became rich. They were very rich Kohanim. One of the most famous ones, of course, is Rebelezer ben Azariah, one of the richest Kohanim that we know about. And he took Trumas and Maestros, right? So it really isn't so much about, oh, <laughs> you know, they don't have any money. They need to be supported. Um, they could be wealthy. And we still support them because of the ideal they represent. Uh, yeah, if they even if they lose everything, we'll still support them. But it's not that we right? that that seems to be um, the again where the Rambam's here again. This paragraph it explains the Gemaras about why we potter them from taxes, but the Rambam gets into a little bit of a murky area. Number one, seemingly to imply that it's a din minaraisa when. It, it seems to be only an asmachta, not really minatora. And the second thing is he 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 conflates it with with taking with giving trumas and maestros. And the you know if you look in the Rambam in in, in the end of um Yovel, the Rambam there says the reason why we support them we don't that's why the 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 Levium don't have land and the Levium aren't allowed to take. Um, from the spoils of conquering is because they're supposed to be with God. So it sort of indicates that that we support them because we need to have this class. So again, it sort of like feeds into the argument of the the Gaonim. 
who say, well, without this, they wouldn't, we wouldn't have a Talmud Chacham class. The same way you, you can't say, oh, now the Kohanim are rich, let's not give him Trumas and Maestras. Ultimately, you need to have that support system recognizing what, they, what the benefit they provide. If, if, if the Talmud Chachamim weren't supported, then the Gaonic approach would be, well, then we won't have Talmud Chachamim. So, if anything, they are not phased by this, this argument of the Rambam uh, about you know, the way he compares it to Kohanim and Levi'im. It's almost like like a nobility, meaning that you have have a special financial laws for class that you protect the for protected class. You might, you know. Right, that's exactly what it is. But but it's not a far stretch to then say, like the royals, we don't work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's important. Right. So therefore, it, it's sort of again the Rambam is 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 walking an interesting tightrope here. Right. Because, you know, you, you could see how the argument could be shifting towards his, the people, the system. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 